0: If you have your Bibles, go into the book of Ephesians, chapter number five. Now, this message today, we, we're continuing our study in the book of Ephesians, which we've completed our, our Wednesday midweek uh, study of this. But I'm slowly unpacking it on Sunday mornings because I think it's critically important for us to grasp and understand the gospel truths that the apostle Paul lays out in this dynamic book. Now, we get to this part here, this fifth chapter, and we'll start our reading around in verse number 20, I believe. But I need you to understand something. When we get into this God's plan for marriage, if you are single, widowed, or divorced, do not close your ears. Because this word is for everybody. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. And even if you decide, I don't want to ever get married again, there are going to be people who you're going to be talking to, communicating with, who need to know God's plan for marriage. There are going to be folks who are going to come to you and say, this is what's going on. And you need to be able to give them godly advice. Not your feelings, not your flesh. So all of us need to take heed to this passage of Scripture. Amen? So we're going to start our reading, if you will, at verse number 20. the The text says this. And give, Ephesians 5, verse 20, and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, can we read together? And further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit uh, to your husbands in everything. For 25. For husband, this means wives. This is Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, watched by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually loves, shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. 31 says, as the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church one. The marital relationship is the illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All right, now we're going to jump into this uh, with both feet. And I want to say this to you because I think it's important to understand. As I said, this word is for everybody that's in here, uh, and we need to know it and to understand it. I wish I had had this teaching when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. I wish I had a youth group that was dealing with real relationships like our youth group is dealing with right now. A dynamic study that they're delving into how to how to communicate, how to talk, how to have authentic relationship, how to have crucial conversations, how to judge and discern what's healthy for you and what's not healthy for you. They're, they're, they're laying it down uh, in, in a, in a God honoring way after church on Sunday over there. So you better thank God that you got some youth ministers and youth uh, uh, workers who are pouring into your children. Because I can promise you the average family doesn't have, doesn't take time to have these type of conversations. It's a lot of fussing and yelling rather than communicating. And so I want to encourage you to learn how to communicate and to share. Can I get a witness? So, so they're getting in that real relationship. I promise you they're learning this. I wish I had known this early on in life. God's purposes in my individual relationship. So God's plan for marriage is what we entitle in this. God's plan for marriage Requires both. Everybody say both. Both the man and the woman to be dependent on him. To be dependent on him. Can I get the witness? A successful marriage is not guaranteed by a good beginning. It can occur only when two people, everybody say daily, daily. Apply God's word to their marriage. Anybody can start off good but it's how you finish, how you persevere on a daily basis. I remember when I was running track in high school, and Gary, some, how many of y'all ran track in high school? Anybody run track? All right, I, I remember when we were running track in high school and then there were, there were times when you would have a person who would just take off full speed ahead of, 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 in front of everybody else and they had to run four laps. And you think, boy, he's gonna get it. Man, he's gonna, he's gonna just lap the field. He's running way ahead of everybody and by the time that third lap comes around, KD, the bear jumps on his back. It, we didn't see him. He was over in, in the corner in the third, in the, around the third turn, he started doing this number right here. And next thing you know, everybody passed him up. He started out good, but he ended up in last place. See, I don't want anybody to start out good, uh, not having proper foundation, because if you don't have the proper foundation, you can start out right, but end up dead wrong. Amen? Most people complete 10 to—now, most, most people complete 12— to 16 years of schooling to learn how to get prepared for a career. But few ever take a course on marriage. Few ever go to a marriage retreat. Shameless plug. You need to sign up. We're going we're to pour into you. We're going to pamper you. We're going to give you some words. We have you, t- have you t- an opportunity to relax and enjoy yourself. Sign up. I'm telling you, we're going to have a great time. But 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 many people have the mindset that, okay, we, we're good. I don't need that. You know, we've been married 20 years. Baby, let me tell you something. The devil don't care how long you've been married. I told you all before, yeah. if the devil can, and he will, he'll take 25 years to set your behind up. Yeah. You've been married, everything going good for 25 years, and all of a sudden, yeah. your husband starts singing, Ray Parker Jr., I'm in love <laughs> with the other woman. My life was fine till she blew my mind. <laughs> And there's a part of that says, I hate to have to sneak, but it feels better. <laughs> I'm in love with the other woman. After 25 years, he went crazy. <laughs> you thought everything was okay. But you didn't need marriage fellowship. You didn't need marriage retreat because, hey, we're good. Pastor, I don't need you to talk about my marriage. I, I got this thing. I'm telling you. We prepare for a lot of different things in life. No wonder marriages fail. People are not prepared for the most important relationship on earth. Husband, wife relationship. Now, interestingly, the more more confident that couples are concerning their love and their commitment, the more closed minded they are to getting help or suggestions. I'm going to say it again. The more confident couples are in their in their uh, love and commitment, the more closed minded they are to getting help or suggestions. Been times, I me- I remember this has been years, years ago. We were on our marriage retreats and everything we brought up, this particular couple said, well, we don't have that problem. We don't have that problem. We don't do that. We don't do that. No, that, that ain't none of us. Now, mind you, they haven't been married but a minute. And I will tell you that they did begin to have those problems. They did get to a situation where it was, it was, it was, it was draconian. It it, it just didn't work. Because let me tell you something. The devil don't, you you may start out right and think everything is going okay, but the enemy is always lurking, seeking whom he may devour. Listen to what the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians the 10th chapter, verse number 12. I'm gonna read that one from the KJV. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 and I'm going to look at verse number 12, okay? This is where all of us, in whatever area of life we find ourselves operating, whether it's marriage, whether it's career, whether it's uh, habits that we're trying to overcome, listen to what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, and we'll look at verse number 12. And I'm, 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 I want to read it from the KJV, okay? First Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 12 says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, Take heed lest he fall. I got to read that again. Can y'all read that out loud on purpose? Let me say what? Wherefore let him that thinketh he stand. Oh, we good. We don't need that. We don't need to be taught. We don't need no checkup. And listen, every marriage is just like a car. You need some maintenance. I just, uh, boy, you need some maintenance. I just took mine to the shop the other day. And, and I, this has happened to me before, so I, I kind of figured and dreaded that my transmission was messing up. And so I went to the, the, the place, and sure enough, they saw shreds of metal in the transmission fluid when they drained it. And uh, just that part of the repair bill alone was 6000 dollars You don't hear me. And then I had some other stuff that I said, well, while I got it in there, I might as well as al- already get it done. And it was it was right at ten thousand dollars for repairs, maintenance. But, you know, what I told Marari and she, what she told me, she said, listen, all right, that's better than a nine hundred dollar car note. So you got God bless you the money, pay the doggone thing. But my, my point is, cars need maintenance ongoing maintenance in order for it to operate at peak performance. And your marriage and your relationships, even with it, husband, wife, parent, child, uh, you know, even when it comes to employer to employee relationship, you need ongoing training and refreshing focusing on vision in order to, to operate at peak performance. You can get, you, you can get used to doing a thing a certain way for so long, you get up and don't even, don't even excel or even try to excel. You just do it the way you've always done it. And God wants to use you and your relationship to paint a picture to the world of how Christ connects to his church. Are y'all with me today? So Paul says, you know, if if you think that you you everything is good, everything is kosher, that, that we don't need help. Paul said to the Corinthian church, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. Jesus even exhorted his followers to count the cost prior to undertaking a significant life commitment. Listen, when, when you go into the marriage relationship, it is something that you should not do by just just by happenstance or, or doing it nilly willy. You know what nilly willy means? That means just kind of flippantly, hadn't given it much thought. I love him. He loved me. We feel good when we're together. You gotta to do more than know about feeling good when you're together. He make me feel good. But remember, let me tell you something. When crazy enters the relationship, how he made you feel going to go out the window. Or she can be crazy too. Crazy ain't got no, crazy don't discriminate. Those of y'all who've been in the crazy relationship like, mm-hmm. You sure don't, pass. we got to count the cost. we got to prepare. Prepare for things in life. I like what Jesus said in Luke the 14, chapter, verse 28 through 30. This is the NLT, Luke chapter 14, verse 28 through 30. He says, but don't begin until you count the cost. I'll say don't get married until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? A fool would. Otherwise, it didn't say that in there, but, but you know, that's my little two cents. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone will laugh at you. They will say, There's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. All right, you know, it's, 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 it's important that we prepare for this all important relationship. And if you're in the middle of this all important relationship it's, it's important that you make a conscious decision this day to do it God's way. I don't care how much you have messed up in the past. There's always a new beginning. God is a God of grace. He's a God of new beginnings. And you can start right now saying, I don't care how crazy ignorant I was last year. I'm going to do it right this year. I've told y'all in 37 years of marriage, Maria and I have had some crazy ignorant moments. (laughs) Are y'all with me? There's some times we didn't do it God's way and we were saved. All right? But I thank God he's taught us some things through through those trials that we went through which makes us where we are today which gives us some authority to talk about amen, some of this stuff because we've been through some of this stuff. And we're not ashamed to say, hey, listen, we had not always been where we are now, but thank God we are. This is a good season. It's a sweet season. I didn't think it'd get this sweet, but it's good. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's a good season. Can I read something to y'all? I want to read something to you. Because it's a good scene and I'm a, I'm a, this is not on your notes. But I'm going to give you six most common reasons why mar- marriages fail. But I mean, that, 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 that it blessed my heart when I read it the first time, and I and I was uh, looking at something in my drawer the other day, and I pulled it out. Listen, listen to, listen to this. This is this is you, you'll figure out who this is when I get through. This. this is on Friday, March March 13, 1970. You asked me to be your girlfriend. You and I have been talking often. You would come to my family home, allegedly allegedly looking for my brother Duke. I knew that you were a very popular, kind, and friendly guy, but I was not going to be your second, third, or fourth friend. You had to be sure that you wanted me to be your one and only girlfriend. We talked for a while, and we committed to being in a relationship, so about 7.30 p.m., we decided to officially commit to being a couple. You were 18 years old, and I was 15 years old. Glory be to God. During our second year of our relationship, I received a promise ring. That meant that we were truly committing to each other, talking to or dating other persons were no longer an option. May 1973, on my graduation night from high school, you proposed to me, and on June 15, 1974, we were married. We're now in our 48th year of marriage, and I want you to know that I'm extremely grateful, happy, and blessed that 52 years ago, we committed to each other. As I reflect on our lives, we were made we, we, we have made some great choices for the two of us and our one and only son, Derek. I thank God that he blessed our union. And even when things were challenging, difficult, and disappointing, we never gave up on what we've been blessed to build together. Glory be to God. We've shared some great moments, memories, experiences together. Thank you for being my greatest supporter, caring, loving, thoughtful mate, my best friend, confidant, and the best father for our son, and a fantastic granddad for our grands. Listen to this. We've accomplished a lot in our lives together, but I think the greatest accomplishment is the way we love and dependent on each other. I thank God for creating you, especially for me. We've always known whatever life has in store for us together, we could conquer it all. Together, we made the burdens lighter and bearable. I've grown to love you much greater than I could have imagined at 15 years old when I committed to being your girlfriend. Love does endure when you're in... Love does endure when you're intentional, focused, committed, and willing to truly give of yourself. I love you today, yesterday, tomorrow, and forever. Thank you for making this journey one of the greatest experiences of our lives. Rest in peace, my first true devoted love. I will miss you dearly as well as Derek and all the family. But we know that God has called you home after your many years here doing what you were gifted to do. Rest in peace, Carl Robinson. I love you, and you will always have a very special place in my heart. Your sweetheart forever, Doris Samuel Robinson. Now I want y'all to listen to me. There was a lot that was said, and I asked Doris for permission to to read that this, this morning. Because, see, I want you to know marriage can work if you do it God's way. You may be going through a season of difficulty, but hold on and make the commitment that I'm going to follow God's plan for marriage. Can I get a witness today? So so, so it can be done. There are many other couples I can call out right now and say, it can be done. Pastor, yeah, we've had our trials, but we made it through. Because somewhere along the line, we decided God's plan was better than my plan. Can I give you... Just, you you're gonna have to jot these down. I did not put these on your notes. These are six, some six common reasons why marriages fail. Number one, differing backgrounds, home, and environments. See, so- sometimes we come from different backgrounds, home, and environments. And I would encourage you if you're gonna if you're gonna date somebody and plan to marry somebody, go and spend some time with their family. <laughs> Crazy is sometimes hereditary. See, because of cultural and family differences often result in immediate disagreements, they lead to conflict and hurt in a marriage. Now, again, you don't, I'm not saying marry somebody just like you. God forbid, don't do that, because y'all may kill each other. You need somebody to compliment you, but what I'm saying is you need to understand where your potential mate is coming from. What shaped his, his, his methodology, his way of thinking? Where did he come from? Where did she come from? And how did, how did that family relate? Because that's important because those things, we, we catch stuff, whether we realize it or not, from our family members. Can I get a witness? In this diversified society that we live in, it's very likely that you, you, you married or will marry someone very different than yourself. And these differences, if not properly interpreted, if not properly anticipated, can lead you and your spouse down the road to a lot of hurt and rejection. And for many couples, guys, there's the added emotional baggage from a previous marriage, and if stepchildren are involved, that whole blended family thing is also at work. And, it, it, and, and if you don't, if you don't realize, uh, 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 God, if you don't, if you don't learn how to do marriage God's way, in a second or third marriage, I promise you, you're going to suffer when kids are involved because blended families can be tough because first of all. And I'm not saying they can't work because my, Maria and I are a blended family. I had a daughter before we got married. All right. But we learned how to do it God's way. We learned how to not. It wasn't. Uh, she's still in my daddy. And that, that's, in the, that's in the child's mind. That's what happened. And I'm sure Tanya probably thought that at first, but we made sure that we we let her know that we she's loved unconditionally by both of us. And we include her in our family. Can I get a witness? But, but blended families can be tough. And previous marriages, when you've been in a previous marriage, you bring that baggage over to the new marriage. And you got to learn how to, to, to let God in on the middle of all that. So, so different, backgrounds, uh, different backgrounds, homes, and environments can cause marriage to fail. Number two, uh, the, I'm going to call this the deceptive 50-50 relationship. The deceptive 50-50 relationship. In other words, you think it's 50-50. You do your half and I do my half. That ain't God's plan for marriage. Oh, y'all listen to me. Thinking that your spouse must do his or her half leads us to focus on the other person's performance. And over time, each person, hear me carefully, each person wants to ensure that the other person does his or her part. Unfortunately, there's no way to know who met whom halfway. And it's impossible to know if the other person cared as much, worked as hard, or felt as strong as you do. And ultimately, couples are drawn into deeper levels of examination and criticism. One of the, one of the ways that I've seen this in just over years of counseling is in marriage, especially when it comes to finances, in any number of things. It's not your money and my money. I tell people all the time. If you're ever in a relationship and it comes down to your money and my money, that means that there's not oneness. <sighs> the wife got to borrow money from her husband. What, what kind of craziness is that? Now, yeah, I, I, I got to be honest. I got to be frank. That tells me right off the bat that you don't understand oneness as it's relayed in the Holy Scriptures. (laughs) See, the 50-50 concept promotes independence. You do your part, I do mine. Once couples start measuring each other's performance, disappointment follows close behind. Because I promise you, nobody's going to measure up to what you think they ought to do. Some people react with anger. Others respond with a deafening silence. Either way, a cycle begins resulting in, distance in relationship. When you think it's 50-50. No, it's, it's 100-100. It's about submission. I'll talk about it a little bit later, okay? Number three, selfishness. Just plain, outright selfishness will cause marriage to fail. The natural human way is to look out for number one. First. All right, y'all listen to me. The natural human way is to look out for number one first. the Bible tells us that every person has an inborn sense of selfishness that is capable of incredible devastation. I want you to go with me to Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. And we're going to start. We're going to read verses nine and 10 from the NLT. Jeremiah, the 17th chapter. And we're going to look at verses nine and 10. Watch this. Are y'all there? I need y'all to read. Read this out loud and on purpose with me. Because some of y'all have been going around and telling folks, follow your heart. That's the dumbest piece of advice you can give them. Follow your, just, 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 just follow your heart, baby. What does the Bible say? The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and is what? Desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But you tell them to follow your heart. Just follow your heart, baby. Look at this next verse. Watch this. Who, who, who know how bad it is? I, I know God does. But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. All people, their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. So, so So, I need you to understand something. That your heart, and in its very essence and core, it's wicked. The Bible even says that out of your heart comes all kinds of stuff. Adultery, fornication, unforgiveness. All that stuff comes out of your heart. So quit telling folks to follow their heart. Tell them to follow Jesus and his word. Can I get a with this today? Uh, I know some of y'all are saying, well, you know, well, yeah, 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 pastor. Um, not my boo, I've been with my boo for two years and, and he he makes my heart sing. Okay. Is he saved? Well, you know, I don't know, Pastor, but you know, he goes to church every now and then. Who's his pastor? I don't know. I asked him, who's your pastor, brother? Uh, you know, uh Reverend um it, it's at Mount Bethel number five. That's where I go. Who's your pastor? I I forgot. Man, you know what, we changed pastors. That means he hadn't been. Okay? Listen to me very carefully. The Bible says, if you think that your mate can't go this way, trust me, ask somebody who married somebody who was good at first and they went AWOL. <laughs> the failure to deal openly with this tendency of, 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 of sinfulness at of heart will oftentimes lead to disappointment and dissatisfaction in marriage. The Bible says we all have the same innate tendency to look out for ourselves first and calls it the flesh, the old man, and the old nature. It's also called it also calls it sin. Everybody say sin. sin. When you're only looking out for yourself, when you're only looking out for your well being, it's called sin. Are y'all with me? For that reason, only Jesus Christ is able to break this bondage to self and give us a supernatural divine nature. The Bible says in first Peter says we are partakers of the divine nature. That means that God's God's divine nature when we are born again has a present life. Divine nature. Everybody say divine nature. So listen, there are times in marriage when you really want your way. Can you raise your hand and say, I hear you, Pastor. There are times in marriage where you really want your way. You may think you're right, and perhaps you are. But the Lord Jesus calls us to serve one another. And that specifically means putting the well-being of your spouse first. Everybody say, put the well-being of your spouse first. First. Everyone has a choice to make. We can either be, we can, we can be either a mirror that reflects approval, appreciation, and encouragement to our spouse, or we can reflect failure and disappointment. What does your spouse get from you? If your reflection is negative, the result will be fear and retaliation. Over time, feelings will become frozen and your attitudes will become real critical. Go with me, well, I don't have time just write down Romans, the third chapter, verse nine through 17. I'm, I'm not going to go over it today because my time is running. The fourth thing is, is the inability to cope with life's trial. The inability to cope with life's trials. I've told you before and I said again, trials will come. Go to James one verses two through four. The inability to cope with life's trial. When couples in a marriage with a naive perception of trials, it's not long before each spouse begins to say, Well, I must have married the wrong person. Well, I never thought marriage would be like this. Then you got doubt, you got division, and you got distance that replaces unity and strength that God desires for us when we're going through these trials. Uh, and the, the trials will produce. Watch what trials do. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, and they will come, let me say this. And I need you to hear me up front, personally, intentionally. You will face trials. Trials will come your way as an individual and as a couple. Are y'all tracking with me? It is a given. We live in a fallen world, but because we live in a fallen world, you're going to have some challenges. But the good part about it is, guys and girls, is that the God that we serve says he's there with us in the midst of our trials. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And he can walk us through everything that we're going through. So but but it says, dear brothers, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Next verse. Let's go. It says, for, you know, That when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Verse 4. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete. Needing nothing. Some people don't have the ability to cope with trials when a little hiccup comes your way. Something uh, 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 awful happens. Whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whether it's whatever. Listen, understand God will teach us how to deal with the trials in our life if we will but get into his word and study him and and to understand him, his character, his nature and his makeup and allow him to lead us in a very real way. Number five, I'm going to call this one. uh, The fifth most common reason for marriage is what I call a fantasy view of love. You know what a fantasy view of love is it's based on feelings more than anything else. It's what we see in the movies and on TV. In other words, uh, the, you know, every every good movie, a romance movie, has a situation where you meet somebody. There's, there's there's discourse and there's discomfort, and then all of a sudden you figure out they like each other. And then at the end, then there's there's something will come in and break them up. And at the end, they get together and they go off and live hap- happily ever after. They're in the boat waving everybody after the wedding, right? But you don't see them after the wedding. Here's a here's a a a, a, a relational and a And a a tidbit of wisdom. Don't go and spend $35,000 on a wedding and you haven't learned what it means to be married. Save that money and go to an intensive marriage retreat before you spend all that money, it just goes to waste. Because the wedding ain't the marriage. And you can have you can come up in there and horse-drawn carriages. You can you can you can have a Cadillac longer than this, limo longer than this building. But that wedding ceremony is not the marriage. Spend spend that money getting geared up and learning what true marriage is really all about. Can I get a witness? So so fantasy view. Of marriage. They ride off in the sunset on the movie, but you don't see the rest of it, right? It's true that God created us with emotions and they are an important element of love, but emotions are a terrible basis for a relationship alone. See, the tragedy of fantasy love is that it is primarily based on feelings. And if a person doesn't feel it anymore, that person concludes that love has disappeared. Love your marriage should never be based solely on, on feelings alone. Number six, lack of a vital relationship with Jesus Christ. Lack of a vital relationship, a real. I'm gonna say a real, a vital, real relationship with Jesus Christ. I am not talking about somebody who goes. To God forbid. I mean, there are people in church that don't know how to do marriage because they never studied it. They never understood God's plan for it. Which I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. All right. Colossians 1 and 6 says this, all things have been created through him and for him. This includes your marriage. Your marriage exists primarily to bring honor and glory to God. Even before you list your hopes, dreams, and needs for marriage, God is the first reason for your union. Everybody say, God God is the first reason for for our union. That's what it means to call Jesus Christ preeminent. He gets first place and first th- authority in all things, including your relationships. Let me say this. Most human beings have not learned how to do relationships well. We just kind of do some stuff. Take time to study how to be a better communicator. My wife and I was all, always talking about this. And we we, we talked about this the other week. She said, you got to get better at that. I mean, she, she told me, and uh, she, she's—I'll be honest with you—she's a little bit better than I am. Yeah, she's a little bit better. But I'm—I'm I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm better than I was. Amen. So I'm looking for affirmation, y'all. No, no. But but, and and, and here's my observation. Now you you, can, you don't you don't have to take this, but I I think I'm right about it. Most women tend to be a little bit better at communicating than men are. When you get beyond sports, money, and careers, we get a little shallow. Boy, did you see Jimmy Butler go off last night? Who you think going to win? Who's gonna win the Super Bowl? Yeah, we'll talk about that Monday all day long, but when it comes to, man, how did you feel when that happened? What do you mean, how I felt? <laughs> I'm just trying to communicate. Most, most women are better than we are. So we gotta learn, guys. The Bible says this dwell with her according to knowledge. Well, if it, if it says dwell with her according to knowledge, that means there's some knowledge that I must gain in order to effectively relate to my spouse. To my wife, to my woman, to my boo thing, to my lover, whatever you want to call it, to my friend. There are some things I have to learn, and I'm learning those things every day that I'm married. And I've discovered, too, you got to keep studying them because it'll change on you, (laughs) Kendrell. What worked 10 years ago, Ray, may not be working today, so I got to study her every day. Everybody say every day. All right, all right, all right. God's word indicates three great purposes for men and women. Go go to Genesis 1 26 to 31. Genesis 1 26 to 31. I'm going to go through this real quick because these are things that we'll, you know, we're going to teach the Bible as long as I'm here. Okay? And we're going to teach all aspects of the Bible. I'm not going to just talk to you about money. I'm not just going to talk to you about uh, praise praise and, and worship and and uh, we're going to we're going we're gonna to give you a full diet. I want you to have meat and vegetables. And every now and then you get a little dessert, too. So we're going to we're going we're gonna to preach the full counsel of God. And this is called the full counsel of God. All right. We're going to talk about these issues. God words in the case, three great purposes for men and women. Number one is to reflect God's image. Look at Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Genesis 1, 26 through 27. Are y'all still tracking with me today? Genesis 1, 26 through 27. The text says this. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, uh, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Next verse. So God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God created he them, Male and female, he created what? Them. Three times God used the word image and wants likeness to stress that he wants mankind to reflect his image. From the plural pronouns us and our used in verse 26, that God intended mankind to reflect the wholeness of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each person of the Trinity is unique in function, yet one in nature and purpose. So you as a husband and wife may be unique in function, but you ought to be as one in function and purpose. Therefore should a man leave his father and mother and do what? Cleave unto his wife, and the two shall become what? One flesh. The two become one. Just like God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one, husband and wife should be. If I say one, that don't get there just by waking up in the morning. Everybody say it takes work. So we ought to reflect God's image. Number, number two, we ought to raise godly children. You get verse number twenty-eight, Genesis one and twenty-eight. We ought to raise godly children. Verse number twenty-eight says this: and God blessed them, and God said to them, "Be fruitful and do what." I'm in the KJV now. And replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon earth. So be raise godly children. Be fruitful and multiply. Thirdly, we have to reign over the earth. We just said it right there. So he gave reflect God's image, raise God to children, and reign over God's creation. Now, now listen. The most important issue in marriage, and y'all hear this, and, and my time is, is quickly running. I won't finish this today, but the next time I'm back up here, I'll I'll, I'll complete this, okay? But but understand this: the most important issue in marriage, okay? Uh, go, 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 go with me, if you will, to um, Luke, the fourth chapter. This is something that we, I've shared with you before, but I want you to hear it again. And while you're turning, understand this marriage was God's idea. Everybody say it was God's idea. God said it was not good for man to be alone. God created a helper that's suitable for, him, for man. And God intended a man to leave his parents' home and cling to his wife. Do you not understand? And I've talked this before that same root word uh, for helper that's used in Genesis as it relates to the wife is the same root word that's used for the Holy Spirit. Do you understand this? It's, it's the same word that says the Holy Spirit is given by God to empower us and to enable us to walk this Christian walk. You were never designed life by yourself in your own strength. As a matter of fact, it is impossible for you to do some of these things in your own strength. It's impossible for you to forgive somebody who's hurt you deeply if you're trying to do it in your own strength. It's impossible for you to, to love your neighbor as yourself when you're trying to do it on your own. It's God's Holy Spirit that helps us to get to where we need to be. Luke, the fourth chapter, and if you will, let's look at, hallelujah, Luke chapter four, and let's look at verse number five. Oh, I hate to even go here because I know I don't have time to finish it. But let me just, just pick on it just for a second, okay? And if y'all allow me, I'll come back again and finish this. Y'all, Most of y'all know this, this is the story Let's see. Luke, the fourth chapter. Is that one I want to go to? Y'all say, I don't know if that's where you want to go to, Pastor. Y'all still with me? Are y'all still with me? John, the fourth chapter. I'm sorry. John to the fourth verse from a fire. It's the story of the Samaritan woman at the well. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of Typology in this particular interaction with Jesus and this Samaritan woman. I've told you before, it is crucially important for us as believers to learn how to do relationships better. Why is that crucially important? Because God wants to use us to reach the lost. And if we are, if we're, if we're, you know, Alter ourselves. If we don't like being around people, if, you know, and and, and if we if we are uh, uh, defiant when it comes to trying to reach people, how are you going to reach them with the gospel if you never interact with them? So it's important for us to get better at connecting with people. Maybe you were shy growing up like I was, but you got to learn how to get better at connecting with people. Because. If you notice Jesus, while he was here on earth, he spent a lot of time, I told y'all, eating around the table, hosting people and talking about things of eternal value. Remember I gave y'all that challenge to have somebody come sit at your table? Do do y'all remember it? Yeah, yeah. A few of y'all did. Some of y'all just say, "Mm, Pastor, that's not me. You know, Pastor, I don't like nobody coming by my house. Oh, that's the same house you had me come over there and bless. That's the same house you told me God enabled you to have the finances and the appropriate credit to get it built. That's the same house that that when you stepped in the door, you said, thank you, Jesus. And Jesus says, I want to use it for my glory. You said, no, God, this is mine. I'm telling you, all of us, ever say all of us, all of us, us got to get better at connecting relationally with people who, who may be different than us. Because I promise you, if you've been growing in your faith, that sinner person is going to be different than you. They're going to still have some cuss in them. They're going to still like to drink. And we're not there to try to make them stop cussing and drinking. We want to get saved. I promise you, if you get saved and start growing, you'll stop cussing and drinking. I don't want to try to gut the fish before I catch them. I got to catch them first, Jerry. Then I split them down the middle. Pull the guts out through systematic teaching. The problem that some of us have is we expect people to be up here before we'll deal with them. And God said, I need you to deal with them down there. And if I get them down there, I'll bring them up here. Jesus, go and study the theological construct of Jesus' life. Jesus spent plenty of time with what the Pharisees considered to be ranked sinners. The lowest of the low. But he did that to give us an example that we have a responsibility to be evangelistic in our outreach efforts to go and try to reach people with the gospel. And it starts by building a relationship. Okay, y'all with me? All right, now watch, Lord Jesus. Whew. I can't really start this because it's 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 it's, it's, it's I'll, I'll tell you, it's it's rich, and there's a lot that I want to tell you, but I'm gonna pick it up next week. All right, is that all right with y'all? I want y'all to go home and study Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well. A lot of theology that's that embedded in that interaction. There's a lot of things that we're going to learn about Jesus' approach to ministry through that interaction with the Samaritan woman. And some things that we're going to learn ourselves as we continue to, to move forward. We're going to talk about how, how Jesus is the only one that can meet our deepest needs. Hear me carefully. Some of y'all have made your spouse your idol God. And you thought that when this, that, 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 that he divorced you, that your world ended. Baby, your world didn't end. Because when you learn how to let Jesus meet your deepest need, even if he or she walks away from you, you're going to be okay. Because God is meeting your deepest need. And those four deepest needs are acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And we'll talk about that next week. Or the following week, whenever I get back. (laughs) Amen? Every head bowed, everybody closed. Father, we thank you now.